0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Y'all all right? Golly. <laughs> y'all okay? Hey, I'm Jeff Rogers. I'm the associate pastor, for those that don't know me. Uh, pastor Danny's out. He's, he's gone on a, a retreat. It's called the Walk to Emmaus. How many, have, how many of y'all have ever heard of the Walk to Emmaus? Yeah, several folks have. Well, he's, he's at that, and he'll be coming home at some point today, I think. So um, I hope he's had a, I hope it's been a, a, a rich time for him. Um, that's not the message for today. <laughs> I, I, um, I did not send a title slide in, but uh, I think it, <clears throat> I can give it to you, but I'll tell you a story first. Um, Friday, on Friday, Sandra and I go. And we we pick up our our granddaughter, Grace, uh, from our daughter and son-in-law who live just a little north of Atlanta. And so we try to do that on Fridays and go get her. And we spend the day, we spend the day typically. They had a wedding to go to this weekend, and so we brought her home with us. She's back in the nursery uh, for round two. And uh, we just love having her. Well, Grace... um, She loves, she's a lot like her grandfather. She likes to eat. And the more she eats, the more she... And so yesterday, after about the fifth diaper change, yes, wow, she's regular. (laughs) I heard Sandra say from the other end of the house, Jeff! I think it's time that you change a diaper. <laughs> to which I replied under my breath, "That is stinking thinking." <laughs> and so, the diapers continued to be changed by a loving Gigi, and uh, Papa helped from time to time. But um, that's what I want us to—that's <clears throat> what I want us to have a conversation about this morning—is stinking thinking. How many of y'all have ever heard that term before? Stinking thinking. All right. What, in what context was it other than diaper changing? Paul, in what context did the stinking thinking, that term come up in, that you can remember? In the you, your that's right. It's thoughts that we can entertain that hinder our walk with the Lord. And I can tell you right now, those stinky diapers were going to hinder my walk and my relationship with the Lord. And that's why I didn't entertain that, Paul. Um, So, no, I've changed a few. I've changed a few. But, But that's what we want to talk about this morning is thinking, thinking. What you think about matters. Would you agree with that? What you think about does matter. Uh, there's, a, there's an old, I think it's a Chinese proverb that I used to share um, with, with my youth when I was in youth ministry. Um, now, this proverb 23.7 is from the Bible, but this other one uh, is, is, I think, a Chinese proverb. But Proverbs 23.7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, and this, pro, this other proverb that goes along, I think goes along with it, and it goes like this. I don't have a slide for it, but it says, sow a thought and reap an action. So if, 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 I, if, I'm, if I think something and I sow that thought, I'm, putting, I'm tra- taking that thought in, and translating it into an action. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. You see the progression there. What does your legacy look like? What is when you get to the end of your life? What will it look like? It, I think it will be a series. Uh, your life will be a series of thoughts that have. That, that you have sown into an action, and from an action, you, it's developed into a habit, and from a habit, it's developed into your character. And when you sow a character, you reap a destiny, you reap a legacy. Does that make sense? And it all starts with a thought, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The thoughts we allow to enter our minds... <clears throat> Now listen <clears throat> the thoughts that that you and I allow to enter our minds and entertain will shape our future thinking and how we view ourselves. <clears throat> Does that make sense? see <clears throat> I, when a thought enters my mind, I have a choice <clears throat> I can choose to I can choose to to let that thought mull I can mull it over and think about it or I can choose to reject it I can choose to put it out of my mind but but the thoughts that we allow to enter our minds and, enter, and entertain will shape our future thinking and how we view ourselves <clears throat> and so what we think about matters We've got an adversary. We have an adversary. Proverbs 23 7, we went over that. It says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, uh, so is he. But first uh, Peter five eight says that that we need to be sober, vigilant, because our adversary the devil walks like a walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Peter says that we're to be self-controlled and watchful. You know, a lion, I know many of you have seen a lion. When a lion, when a lion runs down its prey, it tears that, that other animal from limb to limb and rips it apart. That's a graphic image of what the enemy wants to do to you. That's a graphic image of what he wants to do to, to you and to me. He wants to chase us down and he wants to pounce on us and he wants to he wants to rip you from limb to limb. <clears throat> and that's a <clears throat> that's a hard word, but it's a true word, isn't it? I mean, think about people that you know that are that have just been torn apart <clears throat> By a very real enemy. We know him as the devil. Or Satan. And Peter says that we need to be self-controlled. We need to be sober. We need to be watchful. Because he's out there. He's out there. But how does, how does our culture portray him? A lot of times, he's in a red suit with a set of little horns and a pitchfork. <clears throat> and, and most often, we see him portrayed as some comical character. That he's... That's not real. He's not real. He's just a comical character. But he is real. He is real. You know... Um, I was thinking about when I was putting this message together I was thinking about the um the Normandy invasion uh D-Day and uh that that battle was fought on on many on on several different beaches wasn't it There were several diff- different beaches in which that offensive took place and and I'm told and I've read where um, when the day was over and the Allied forces had taken those beaches and secured those beaches that the, the tide had turned in World War II. That, that um, it was not looking real good for America and her allies until, until those beaches had been secured and, and the allied forces were advancing. But the, the tide of the war had turned toward our favor. But let me ask you a question. Um, <clears throat> even though the tide had turned... Toward the Allies in America's favor. Was that the end of the war? Did that end World War II? That particular offensive, did it? No. No, it didn't. What still remained? Battles remained to be fought, didn't they? As 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 the as the military advanced through the hillsides and countrysides and towns in Europe, um, there were still many battles to be fought. And so my point is this. Jesus won the war for our souls. Amen? When he died on the cross and shed his blood, and he, and he was laid in that tomb, and three days later he walked out uh, more alive than ever in that resurrected body, he secured our souls. that He secured our salvation. So the war for our souls was won. But, are we? is it easy for you as a Christian to live this life that we're living right now? Is it easy to, to live a life for Jesus now? Right now? No, it's not easy. Why is that? If He secured the, our, our eternal destiny... And he won that war. What, what's going on today? Well, I want to submit to you that it's a battle for your mind. The battles that we fight today as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, is fought right here. And, and they're won or lost right here in our minds. <clears throat> and so this morning... I want us to look just briefly at, at labels. See, we're engaged in a daily battle for the control of our minds, and labels can be placed on us. Or, or, we can place labels on ourselves. For example, when I was a young man, I had a guy tell me one time, and this has, been, this has been well over 40 years ago. He looked at me and he said, you will never amount to anything. Yeah, he sure did. And, and, and you would think after 40 years, I would have forgotten that. Has anybody ever said anything to you maybe years ago that you, you still carry with you today? Or, or, here's another one. I'm, I don't measure up. And I don't know if I've even ever told Sandra this. But when we were in Sunday school together at Southside, we were in a young married class. And we were sitting, we had a great class, great people. A lot of nice, great young couples that loved the Lord. I looked around and, and I thought, I'm looking around at the, at, at the makeup of our Sunday school class, and it was it was probably 20 couples in there. There's quite a few. And I thought, you know what? Just about every one of these guys in here have a college degree, but me. And I thought, golly, you're kind of stupid. <laughs> Well, I'll have you know I was a C student. I was a solid C. (laughs) And proud of it. But see, we can attach labels to ourselves, or we allow other people to attach labels to ourselves. You're worthless. You're hopeless. You're a failure. You're a loser. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You're too fat. You're too skinny. Too short. You're too tall. Or you're damaged goods because of what you've been through in your life. You're damaged. Do any of those sound familiar? Because those are labels that, that we can attach to ourselves or we can allow other people to attach them to us. And you see, the devil comes and he starts telling you these things. It may be 40-something years later. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. So how do we win this daily battle? How do we overcome the labels? Well, Let me, let me give you a couple of things. First off, is we've got to recognize where the thoughts come from. We've got to recognize where the thoughts come from. In our, in our, um, in our life group last Sunday, we were kind of talking about hitting on labels a little bit, and, and uh, a lady reminded me of a movie, um, uh, the one with Bill Murray in it, uh, Groundhog Day. Is it Groundhog Day? And he's he's trying to, What's he trying to do? Kill the groundhog, and so he, in, in an effort, he he relives he relives uh, Groundhog Day, and, and 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 that that's kind of a picture of what the enemy wants to do. He he hits the replay button in our mind, and we relive every every failure, every sin, every mistake, every word that we say in anger, every hurt that's been inflicted on us or that we have inflicted on someone else, we relive it in our mind. Has anybody ever had that experience, or is it just me? I've had that experience. I I, I can relive those moments. I can relive moments when I've hurt other people, and I can... I, I don't know about you, but I can relive especially moments when people have hurt me and my family in vivid technicolor. I can, I can relive it, replay it in my mind. When that happens, that is a very good indicator that that, that those thoughts are not from God. Those, those thoughts are not from God. God doesn't give you those thoughts. And so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to recognize when a thought comes. I had a friend of mine one time say, you might not can, you, you might not can help a bird landing on your head, but you can sure keep it from making a nest there. And so the point is this. I, I, you know, a thought can come into my mind, but I can sure keep it from, I can sure keep it from nesting there. I can keep it from, from setting up shop in my mind. And so the first thing you got to do to win this battle, this daily battle for your mind, is recognize where the thoughts come from. And the second thing is you got to arrest them. How many of y'all have been, been arrested? No, don't answer that. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to. Anybody wants? How many have been arrested? Have you ever been, I've, I've never been arrested. I have to admit, I've never been arrested. No, hadn't even come close. A few, few parking tickets. Speeding tickets. Sandra gets she gets on to me about my speed. Second Corinthians ten three through five says this. What do you mean by arrest them? Well, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And listen to the last part of it. It says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So there it is. We've got to recognize where the thought comes from, and we've got to bring it into captivity. We've got to arrest it. And and so uh, some guys from the sheriff's department was here earlier, I... I'm thinking I don't need to bring a pair of handcuffs to church this morning because my brothers over here in law enforcement will surely have a pair of handcuffs. They didn't have a hand, any at all. I was going to slap them on somebody in this first service, but I didn't get a chance to. Bummed me out. I've always wanted to cuff somebody. Book them, Dano. Yeah, I would have cuffed Marshall this morning for you. No. But you've got to take captive that thought that comes into your mind. And so, I'm I'm thinking, how, how do we take captive our thoughts? Well, the first thing you do is use God's Word. Jesus did it. The first way you do it is use God's Word. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 through 10, you know the story. It said, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God... Command that these stones become bread. But he answered said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, That's Jesus. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And then he, then he, he takes him and he says, it, it, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingsom, kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, all these things I shall give you if you shall fall down and worship me. Now that, I've always found humor in that. Because Jesus owns it all anyway. And the devil is trying to give him what he already owns. But Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Now how did Jesus combat the temptation from the devil? each time he quoted Scripture, each time he used God's Word. Guys, that's what we have to do today. When that thought comes into my mind, I'm going to use Scripture to get rid of it. And so we've got to use God's Word. Louis Louis Giglio in his book, don't give the enemy a seat at your table says this he says use the name of Jesus with authority bind the thoughts that don't come from God and don't match the word of God you see the problem with the problem with too many of us today is that we we like to entertain the thoughts that are ungodly we want to have those we want to have those those thoughts about getting even with somebody. We want to to entertain the immoral thoughts. So many Christians live defeated lives because they they allow these thoughts to take root in their mind. Or they allow these labels to, to stay attached to them. Like, you're no good. You don't measure up. You never will. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not skilled enough. Nothing could be further from the truth. We've got to get rid of the stinking thinking. When those thoughts come into our minds, we've got to recognize where they come from, and we've got to take them captive. We have to arrest them. And, the, and one of the ways to do that is to use God's Word. Jesus used it every time. And we have to use it. God gave us his word for a reason. Not just recreational living. By his word, we'll stand or fall. By his word. So what's the first thing when a, when a thought comes into our mind? What's the first thing that we're supposed to do? We recognize where it comes from. Can you say the word recognize? Recognize recognize there you go and then the second thing we've got to do is what we've got to arrest it we've got to take it captive when that thought comes into your mind recognize it's from the enemy it doesn't line up this isn't lining up with God's word I'm going to take it captive I'm going to bind it in the name of Jesus but the second thing is so we use God's word but the second thing is we've got to dress well we got to dress well. The devil never attacks a well-dressed man. ZZ Top had that, had a song. How many of y'all have heard that song, ZZ Top, Well-Dressed Man? Sharp-dressed. Sharp-Dressed Man. I was, I knew that, Jeff. I knew it. I was going to test you. I was testing you. That's right. Sharp-Dressed Man. Have we got that back there we can play? Never mind. Never mind. Nah. So we got to, what I mean, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What does he say do? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It sounds like the devil, doesn't it? And his henchmen. It does, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand and so he's he's saying there he's saying that 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 each each day it would behoove us to to dress well, to put on god's armor and then if you if you if you read if you go on down in that. It, it'll tell you, it'll tell you to, to, um, to pray. It says, and stand there for having, your, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those fiery darts, those labels that people attach to you. Or that you attached, you've allowed attached to yourself. How about that? Those fiery darts from the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Uh, from 14 through 17 is a parenthetical phrase. That means you can take it out. You can, you can remove it from where you're reading. And and he's saying to put on the armor to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So we're not putting on the armor to charge the gates of of hell. We're putting on the armor so that we can stand. Nothing in that verse says anything about taking off and charging charging hell, it talks about standing and praying. And so we use the word of God to combat those thoughts, but we also have to dress well. We also have to put on God's armor that he has provided because we're not fighting a a physical, tangible enemy. We're fighting a spiritual enemy, and the only way to fight a spiritual enemy is with spiritual weapons. And this is what he gives us to fight with so that we can pray. And so we use God's word. We dress well. The third thing is we have to meditate on his word. Philippians 4.8 Philippians 4.8 says Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, And of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And so when when somebody says you'll never amount to anything, when they tell you that you're worthless, when they tell you you'll never amount to anything, when they tell you you're damaged goods, are, the, is that, are those things noble? Are those things pure? Are they lovely? Or is that a good report to give to somebody? Is that... No. So we know right off the bat that that is not from God. That's not from Jesus. What does Psalm 119.15 Say Psalm 1915 says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. <clears throat> now, how many of you watch the news at night? I, I try to watch the news a little bit. How many of y'all have gassed up lately? That's, a, that's an edifying experience in and of itself, isn't it? Oh, man, that'll just... That'll just lift your spirits. If I I watch the news, and I I take it all in, and I constantly dwell on that, I can become very critical, and and I can be hard to live with. And that's not where I want to hang out. Because then I start to want to point fingers at different people and different parties and say their response, this, this, that, and there. When in reality, my God sits on the throne. Our God sits on the throne and he's in control. And all these, all the people that I point fingers at, you know what? They're there because God put them there. Because the Bible says that there's no authority but God's authority. He's the, ones in, he's the one in charge. He's sovereign. No one sits on the throne unless God allows them to sit on the throne. And so I, I want to be aware of what's going on. I think that's good. I think that's healthy. We as Christians should should kind of have a little bit of a working knowledge of what's going on in our culture today. But if we dwell on that, we'll, we'll, get, our, we'll get down. We'll get down. And so I want to encourage you this morning to... To, to recognize where these thoughts come from, take them captive, and the first way you can take them captive is by using God's word, putting on the armor of God, and meditating on his word. How, how, how much different would, would our day be if, <clears throat> if, if in our quiet time we pick out a verse or two to think about during the day, off and on during the day as we go about our, our work and contemplate on that verse. I want to encourage you to to get some three by five index cards and and write out write a verse write a verse one verse that means something to you and put it on your mirror or ca- put it in your truck or in your car or tape it to a tape it to your to a to a kitchen cabinet so that you can see it so that you can. Meditate on it. You'll be surprised at how much better your thought life will be when you think and meditate on God's Word. And then the last thing is, we're not just to meditate on God's Word, but we're to memorize God's Word. And that's Psalm 119.11. It says, Your Word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, David said, I am going to... I am going to hide your word in my heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out out of the heart, the issues of life flow. And so we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our minds because it's in our minds that the battle is won or lost. How how many of y'all have ever heard of a guy named Nathaniel Hawthorne? Yeah, he's pretty popular, isn't he? Good night. There was a few people that heard of Nathaniel Hawthorne in the first service. Um, and, it's, and it's not... <clears throat> I had heard of him, but it had been a, a long time since I'd heard of him. But Nathaniel Hawthorne was a writer, and he wrote a book that, that maybe some of you all have heard of, The Scarlet Letter. Yes, yes. The Scarlet Letter. And so, the Scarlet Letter was set in Puritan, Massachusetts, Bay Colony, during the years 1642 to 1649. That's a few years ago. It's, a, it's the story of a lady named Hester Prine who becomes pregnant and has a daughter through an affair. Through an affair. As punishment she must stand on a scaffold for three hours and be exposed to public humiliation, then jailed. Sounds like, sounds reasonable to me, huh? After she is released from jail, she must wear a scarlet A on the front of her clothes, forever labeling her as an adulterer. Man, can you imagine Forever labeling her. How are you labeled this morning? A loser? How about divorced? That's a label, isn't it? I've talked to people that have struggled with that and the stigma attached to it. How about adulterer? Any of us guilty? Don't answer that question. Any of us ever failed? Any of us ever failed in here? Any of us ever been drunk? Any of us ever had that label attached to us? That's just a few. God's grace covers it all. God's grace it covers all the labels that you've ever attached to yourself or that anyone else has ever attached to you his grace covers it don't don't buy in to the lies that this world and the prince of this world will tell you. Don't buy into it. You see, the devil wants to define you by your sins and by your mistakes and your failures. That's how, that's how the devil wants to define us. And that's how he wants to define you. But Jesus wants to define you by his sacrifice on the cross And he wants to define you by his grace. His child. You're his child. And so the next time that the enemy brings a thought into your mind, recognize where it comes from and take it captive Take it captive. Use God's word. Pray. Put on the armor that he's given you. Meditate on his word. Memorize his word. Use the name of Jesus with authority to take captive those thoughts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us. And Lord, we pray today that that we would not we would not let the enemy define us lord that we would recognize that we are your children and that lord we will use the name of jesus to come against the enemy lord we pray this morning that that uh, if there's someone here that, that doesn't have a relationship with you, they may know about you, but there's not that relationship. Lord, we pray that today would be that day. And Lord, I, I pray this morning that, that you would help us to be set free from the labels that, that others have placed on us or that we've placed on ourselves and that we would recognize that we are your children and that you love us.